0: So I'm glad to be back. Uh, Joy wasn't completely happy about me coming back. Um, She's kind of like, Daddy, like why? Why are you doing this? Um, But I think she'll be okay uh, in the long run. Um, As a newfound family of four, um, I was just really grateful again to have time with uh, my family, to be with them. One of the favorite things that we did was going to uh, a bookstore. Might seem like a, a funny thing. Uh, but going to a bookstore in MLK Day, and I want to just tell you a quick story about that. Uh, back in 2017, uh, before we had Zoe, we bought a house, uh, and we met some new neighbors. One of our neighbors is a woman uh, who is amazing, and she kind of organizes the potlucks of the neighborhood. She started the lift serve. She, like, defends the lift serve when it gets a little bit nasty about, like, hey, I saw some people, like, outside, like, outside our houses. Like, you mean, like, just people, like, outside our houses? Yeah, like, I saw it. She's like, hey, they're just people. Come on, like, we're okay, right? Like, she's just a good, good woman. And ever since I met her, she always talked about this bookstore. Where was it? It didn't exist. It was in her dreams. It was a bookstore that would be open uh, on Sundays, especially when New Haven libraries are closed. She wanted a place for kids to be able to read. Uh, to find themselves in stories, no matter what color they were, no matter what their background was, to find a place where they could actually just be a kid and see themselves reflected in literature. We said, that's awesome. Like, we love that. Like, what can we do? She's like, well, I don't know. I'm like working with this person and that person. And like that was the beginning of like her story, right? Like every time we would see her, hey, like I got this space, but I'm kind of working with this community partner, but I don't know what's going to happen. Right. Cool. Keep us updated. And she did. Like, we saw her walking around. She said, guys, like, the bookstore, the bookstore. Like, and every time we saw her, there was basically an update about what was happening with this community bookstore that would fill the gap of what New Haven libraries have and especially would be open on Sundays and holidays. Because for whatever reason, New Haven Public Libraries aren't open on MLK Day. It'd be a good day for them to be open, but they're not. It's okay. So finally, she's like, guys, like, the bookstore is a thing. Like, it happened. You need to come. Like, check it out. We're like, this is amazing. It's called People Get Ready. We went on MLK Day. We had an amazing time together as a family. And it's right off of Whaley, so it's really close to our house. And we saw basically this dream that she had that she'd been sharing about and sharing about and sharing about become a reality. So we even got to have her own little kind of uh, desk, a uh, beautiful drawing over there that she did. Just amazing. And again, when I say that she shared this dream every time I saw her, she really did. And now, uh, even with the bookstore like kind of there, brick and mortar, she's like, when are you guys coming again? She actually took these pictures. Like, She emailed us, she's like, your kids love this store. I'm like, I think they do. Also, like, you just took a lot of pictures, and I don't know if they're going to be on the website, but she, she's super excited about this. She wants to tell everyone she knows that there is a bookstore that kids uh, from every different neighborhood can go and find themselves. And they can do it even when the library, the public library, is closed. I don't think my uh, neighbor and friend follows Jesus, but she has a fervent zeal about all kids having access to books on any day of the week where they can see themselves growing up, thriving, celebrating. It was cool to see a few of those books. I'm like, oh, some ECB years even me these books. That's cool. Like Zoe found them. She's like, I need this one. I'm like, you had that one already. She still needed it right then. It was okay. It was uh, an amazing time. And you might think like, oh yeah, the bookstore is like where you buy things. Like, yeah, you can. But she's like, just come, just come and be like, take space. Just chill there. And her sharing about this idea helped make it real. It got us excited about. It. We knew about it, and then we're telling people about it too. It turns out that you share what you love. You do. When you love something, you share it, whether or not it's a fully fledged idea or just even a little bit of a dream, when you love something, you share it. You share about who you love, what you love. When you find the best public park in the city, Edgewood Park, of course, right? You share about it. You tell people, this is a glorious park in the middle of New Haven. When you actually are proud enough of your sports team, like they're not doing poorly, but they're actually doing well, like you share, come, let's watch the game. Now, certain seasons, you'd be like, I'm going to watch the game because I'm, like, really sad about this. But other times, you're like, can you watch my team dominate maybe your team or just another team? Like, you're excited about that. Maybe you watch a film like Marriage Story or whatever your best picture pick is. And for some, you might be, like, devastated while you watch them, but you're, like, enjoying the devastation somehow. Others, you're, like, just enjoying it and celebrating it. But you invite people over to watch the film that you love. We don't even just share things or people. We share experiences, We want people to experience things that we love. When we love something, we share about it with our family, our friends, our coworkers, our classmates. And sometimes, sometimes, we're really excited about it, even with strangers. When something is worth sharing, we often go all in. You know who's a new fan of this revelation? Maybe he's an old fan, but he's been sharing some things. I guess it was the last decade now. But the Pope, actually, uh, Pope Francis, he says this. Goodness always tends to spread. Every authentic experience of truth and goodness seeks by its very nature to grow within us. And any person who has experienced a profound liberation becomes more sensitive to the needs of others. As it expands, goodness takes root and develops. If we wish to lead a dignified and fulfilling life, we have to reach out to others and seek their good. In this regard, several sayings of St. Paul will not surprise us. The love of Christ urges us on. Woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. In the letters to Corinthians. That's from his encyclical, The Joy of the Gospel. There's a joy in sharing. Sometimes when we think about even the end of those verses, we wouldn't think about what Pope Francis shares at the beginning any authentic experience of goodness. He didn't say, like, Christian stamped. He didn't say, like, Christian label. He just said, goodness. Like, goodness is goodness, and goodness is worth sharing. Gospel, as you might know, just simply means good news. Good news. Not a bludgeon, not a judgment, not just a transaction, but good news. Sincere good news that we've learned experienced embodied maybe even stumbling or fumbling forward in the good news of Jesus and his transformative love that we can encounter that changes us in small and big ways in this series that we have before we go into lent it's just 3 weeks including today we're going to talk about what's worth sharing what do we have that's worth sharing we're going to look at 3 different ways that we can share this gospel, this good news. First, we're going to share, and this will be today, that we have goodness by way of testimony, by sharing our own story. Next week, we'll share that we have a story worth sharing by way of proclamation. And the last week, we'll share that we have power worth sharing by way of prayer. And like Patrick talked about with our last series, you'll find that these things commingle they intermingle you know a story can be powerful uh, we can have a prayer that has its own kind of logic to it or narrative we can have goodness that seems like it's so good it speaks of something so these are all interrelated but i think they are distinct enough for us to share about them for a week each each week i want to share a practical way we can share more of what god is doing inside of us no matter how long or how short our journey with god has been like even if your journey might be starting today just simply by checking out a church there's still goodness that you might come to know even today that you can share with others regardless of kind of what you even think about Jesus you could say maybe I'll just take a risk experiment with what would it mean to share something that I learned of Jesus with someone else this may be outside of your comfort zone this might seem stretchy because you know we're busy people some people have had bad experience with stuff like this like no, really, I get it, Josh. I know gospel like, means good news, but it hasn't been good news for me. I understand that. And whatever the case, wherever we kind of come into this, I hope and pray God gives us peace and purpose. Because I believe that what God has for us today is worth sharing. I believe the gospel is worth sharing. And that we can come to know that. And then live in that way. Let's pray. Holy Spirit. We welcome you into this room today. You're already here, but we say welcome. We say welcome with our full self, our mind, our body, our emotions, our soul. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Make your home here. Be present here. uh, As I speak, would you let these words be your words? Would your presence witness to what you're doing? And I pray if there's any fear any trepidation, any kind of, if you would just settle peace into our heart. Be with us today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is all about the fact that we have goodness in God that is worth sharing. We're going to share in three different modes how this goodness and see in scripture how uh, it can come in our lives. We'll look at different scriptures, and I'll just kind of be walking with you, thinking about what does this goodness look like, and how can we make it real in our lives? One great place to look at the goodness of God, especially goodness of God that's just declared, is the book of Psalms. It's a book of poetry. King David, Solomon, others write these amazing poems to God that often talk about the goodness of God, and you'll see as we read part of it, it's goodness in who God is, but also goodness in what God has done. It's simply declaring the goodness of God. It's not even like necessarily sh- like sure who it's to, but it's making sure that almost like the trees, the universe, that all things would know that God is good. When we are here at ECV and worship, oftentimes it can feel like that we're just like declaring to the world these truths about God. Even if we're not sure ourselves, we say, well, let's join the course and just say in this moment, God, I want to say these things. So we're going to look a little bit at Psalm 145 as we begin. and We'll move into some other scriptures from there. This isn't the whole thing. It's just some select verses. But I want to read it and read it in kind of a mode of declaring these things over us. You can see, okay, there are some like, truths about God, like who God is. There's some things God has done, like sharing about God. Uh, we can just kind of sit with that together. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall lodge your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. The might of your awesome deeds shall be proclaimed and I will declare your greatness. They shall celebrate the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to all people your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. There's a mix of what God has done, a mix of who God is, the fact that we declare that. And sometimes it seems like when we read this, that you're either in or you're out, right? Like You're like, yes, like, praise God, this is amazing. Or you're like, what deeds? What wonders? God hasn't been that good to me lately. Have you seen my, like, pocketbook? Have you seen, like, my relationship stat? Like, this is like, I can't relate to this. But there's something a little bit that's just not about our present circumstance when we look at this psalm. These are actually uh, statements about who God is. And they can be simple statements of God's goodness that are tied to your reality. Simple statements of God's goodness that are tied to your reality. I think about uh, this for my life. You know, my mom growing up told me a story of getting sick when she was in her early 20s. And that the Lord healed her from that sickness. And that's what led her to kind of a robust adult faith. She told me this story about uh, not being able to have kids been praying and then God was uh, allowed her to have my uh, older sister and then in her pregnancy with me uh, they said you're gonna have to terminate this pregnancy it's gonna be bad for you this isn't gonna work and then she prayed again and then I'm I'm here that was a simple thing she told me I, I was telling my story just uh, last weekend and those were things I shared because they're kind of world-building facts about who I am that declare something that share something It's not necessarily what God's done last week or last month or even a way I think about God now, but it's about these things that my mom has said are true. These things that someone in my family has said, like words or deeds that God's done that she commended to me. This is what I've seen and I'm passing it on to you. I've come to think about that way of thinking about God's goodness, thinking about even people in my own ancestry line that have, praise God for the things God has done, even something like the civil rights movement, even before them, they've said, I'm clinging on to what God has done. And I've had to kind of contend with that, especially in some seasons where I've been wrestling. Wait, my forefathers, foremothers, they said that God did this. It'd be easy for me to forget. It'd be easy for me to look at my situation and say, I don't know if that's true, but they commended something to me. They declared something over me and over my family and over my line, and for some of us, we can relate to that, whether we come from a family of faith, whether the story of our people group or where we're from like, has included that. And for others, that might be less familiar, but there's something about having someone declare what God has done over you. And for you just to trust in a simple statement of God's goodness. Yeah, God, God has been good to my family. I might be wrestling with something. it might be tough for me, but God's been good. To just say that as part of your story. Simple statements of God's goodness are a form of worship. You know, we'll be doing that later today, but you can also do it when you leave the space to look out at the sky, to walk in the woods, to read a great book, sing your favorite song, have a meal with family or friends, and at the end say, Thank you, God, for that goodness. What's often amazing about that is we can share those experiences with our peers, with people that don't even know who God is. And there's something, I think, if we're leaning on Pope Francis, where they too can know the goodness of God even though they might not use the name of God. God's generous enough that we can share in experiences that are praiseworthy, that are good, capital G, good. And people can enter those with us without even knowing a part of the story of God. I think that's God's mercy, and it's something worth sharing. This mode kind of opens the door for what we can be thinking about that God's generosity is on display when he shares his goodness. That's not just about us, but about our whole family, about our people group. There's more that can be good than just what happens to us. But some of the best stories that we see in Jesus' life, some of the most memorable ones are these different kinds of testimonies of God's work in our own lives. And I want to, to look at one. It's going to be the, the main scripture we look at today. And there's sometimes where we see Jesus' life and his ministry and it's often funny because we see that Jesus wasn't really kind of intending, it seems, to like pray for someone or to do something. But someone kind of just points something out and then Jesus kind of fetches it down. And then the person's like, well, I don't know if I was going to get prayed for, but I guess it's, like it's Jesus, so maybe I'll be get prayer. And, and there's a way that it just kind of stumbles into a story. And that can be how God is at work in our lives. Like It's not even that we pursue God, but that God in his own mysterious ways is pursuing us. We see this in the Gospel of John, when Jesus encounters a man who's born blind. As Jesus walked along the path, doesn't say he was like trying to heal someone, he was like on like a prayer thing that his church did, he's just walking. He saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Then the man went and washed and came back, able to see. There's... Several strange things about this story. The first is that Jesus and the disciples see a person, like a human being, like someone who's like made in the image of God, right? And the disciples, I'm not sure like where they are in their training or they're like kind of bedside manners, but they're like, "Hey, Jesus, this guy over here, like, why is he blind?" The blind guy's like, "I'm not deaf, like you, I can hear you guys you are talking about me. Like this isn't okay." Like, they make him a theological question. I know that Jesus is super wise, that he's smart, right? But they're like, oh, no, we need to figure out what's going on with this guy. I think that's pretty significant. Like, this person is a person, and yet the way that most people probably have seen him, it's as a quandary, as a question. Why does he exist? What's going on with him? What do we do about him? They're not thinking about God's goodness. They're just thinking about why something has happened. And Jesus has a whole different way of looking at people. He sees people and says, here's what is good that's going to happen. Here's what I see and ultimately what he does. Why does he choose mud? Why does he use saliva? I don't have any answers for that. I just don't. I don't think knowing the Greek helps you there either. I think it's just weird. Sometimes Jesus is just weird. The things he does in our stories are just strange. But he's involved. He's moving towards us. He's with us. We're not quandaries to him. We're not problems. We're people that he loves. Jesus gives the disciples a demonstration of God at work when they were just looking for an answer to a problem. Once this man was blind, then he met Jesus and he was healed by him, and he was able to see. One of the things that's interesting about the story is we don't necessarily know like what this man wanted. I, I'm guessing that he wanted his sight, but he was just encountered by Jesus. But the weight of this wor- work is so profound that the rest of his day is spent basically answering questions. Like he wasn't even about to, like, I'm going to tell everyone. Like, you'll see what happens. Like, people just start asking him questions. Like, dude, like the disciples thought I was like this question, and now— Everyone's asking questions of me about what's going on. We'll see this here. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Once again, the guy's probably like, guys, like, I can hear you and I can see you now. Come on. Like, why are you doing this? Some were saying it's he. Others were saying, no, but it's someone like him. And he kept saying, I'm the man. Like, I'm the guy. Like, this is me. This is my story more people asking him questions. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, he spread it on my eyes, and he said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> this man can barely tell his own story voluntarily because they're just asking questions like, what happened? Like, how did it, this, what, who is he? Where is he? What if God's work is so evident in your life? What if the thing God does is so obvious that people start asking you about it? You're a little different. Something about you's changed. I don't think you're the same. And you're just telling the truth, even the truth as you know it. Look at this. So they again said to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And the man said, He's a prophet, he's just sharing what he knows. You know, we see from the scriptures that Jesus is more than a prophet, but that's what the blind man, now not blind, knows. And so he just shares. Sometimes when we're telling our story, we think we have to have all the answers figured out. Well, I can't share with someone that God gave me an encouraging word or that he healed my wrist because I don't know the answers to, like, why these things happen in the universe or this other question. We're like, what? That's not related. It's just what God did in you. And like, but certainly I would have to like defend the faith and like be curious about this and like answer that question. No, what if you just have to tell your story? We don't have to be experts in anything but what God's done. And I don't think in that we have to be an expert. We just have to be honest. But sometimes we think we have to be everything to people. Not just someone that would earnestly share, but someone that would need to know the answers. We'd need to know uh, what that means for their story. What if God's asking you, when people ask you a question, be honest. What's going on in your life? What's bringing you joy these days? What are you grateful for? What's something that you're really struggling with? What if we decided to be honest about those things? And those of us with some kind of faith in Jesus in the room, we just included that part of our world in our answer instead of hiding it. One of the best memories I had in college, I might, depending on the time, share a few more of these stories, was one of my friends uh, who was very uh, vocal about, we we shared a commitment for justice, but we came at it from different angles. And he had this huge heart for justice um, and was atheist as well. And he came to kind of see my faith and kind of not like it, but understand it. And that wasn't my experience. Usually people just didn't care that I was a Christian. (laughs) But he was kind of like more like, I don't know about that. Like, you're kind of one of the good ones. I don't like that you're like on this team. But he he started to, like, kind of use language like your God, like the way that you see God, or like God for you. And I was like, that's kind of weird. By the end of the day, like, I guess that is like who God is for me, right? Like, I believe he's like God, God, but like he's my God. Like, I'm experiencing this God. And my friend was coming to know that God is, I guess, I experience him. It's like that's kind of weird semantically, but it was cool experientially. We were starting to think oh, I think your God would say this, or that's why you feel, I was like, oh, what? you're kind of like thinking with my God. And he was like, no, 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 don't say that. I don't like that. But it kind of was that way. It was interesting. There's something about having people ask questions of you and just being honest that is a way that we can share God's goodness. Finally, a group of the Pharisees who had been badgering, they asked the last question that I had read where he, the man said that he's a prophet. They called him again, said come come back I need to talk to you and they said give glory to God as they understood him we know that this man Jesus is a sinner so you're saying basically tell the truth about what really happened like share that Jesus is this scoundrel this man that you know has done these like bad things and this man just answered I don't know whether he is a sinner one thing I do know that though I was blind now I see now some people that are stickers will look at this be like oh like he's like open on the question of Jesus as a sinner like that's 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 wrong that's bad. But that's just what he's dealing with. It's what he's open to. But the thing he knows is that he was blind and now he sees. He knows his experience. He knows what the Lord did, and he shares about it. What if we had the audacity, had the courage to say, we'll simply just be truthful ask us questions about what our lives are about. One other quick story. These stories can seem kind of dramatic, you know, when you have something like blindness being healed, um, but at ECV we've seen um, some weird things uh, throughout the years. Um, One of them that we saw uh, a few years back was a woman who had come to faith in college. She Uh, was getting involved in ECV, and then she had uh, a pretty bad injury and had a concussion. Uh, This was a serious one because she had had a number of other concussions. She played rugby, and so she had to be completely in her room. Some of you guys, if you've had concussions or friends, she had to be completely uh, in the dark in her room. Like she couldn't leave. It was just awful. She'd already had some kind of mental health stuff, had been dealing with depression. Obviously, being in a room that's completely dark, not helpful for that. So there was an event on campus that... Always uh, was a prayer event. She couldn't go. She would have to have street lights and campus lights for classrooms, so she just stayed in her room. But the event was encouraging. People were really uh, encouraged what God was doing. They said, how about we go to her room? So they went to her room. Uh, she said, what's going on, guys? And they're like, oh, can we pray for you? She said, yes. And then in the darkness, they prayed for concussion. Then all of a sudden, she felt a little different. She said, well, let's, let's test this out. Let's turn on the light. Let's turn on the light. no. Concussive symptoms anymore, like she was healed, in like a rather dramatic way. Sometimes things are gradual and progressive. This was like pretty dramatic. Uh, and then the thing that was hilarious, she has a great personality, was she was like, "Okay, like this is awesome. I'm I healed." And then she did this thing. Uh, you'll see later. This might not have been the best thing for her to do. She changed her like profile picture to like just her standing in the sun like this because she was so excited. And then all of a sudden, I get a call the next day. Josh, I'm so frustrated. And I was like, "Why?" She's like, "Everyone keeps asking me like what happened." And I'm like. What do, you, what do you mean? She's like, well, I'm out, you know? And so now people are saying, like, what happened? Like, I have to keep telling people this story. I'm like, well, like, you were completely in the dark in your room, and now, like, you're out everywhere. And, the, like, people want to know. And she got so, she, my roommate, she's, oh, she's so frustrating. She always, like, didn't like my faith, and now she's asking, what happened? I was like, do you, like, I think something might be happening here, like, an invitation, like, that you can share your story a little bit. She's like, I don't want to, though. I'm just, like, glad I'm healed. I just want to keep going on with things. I'm like, okay, I get that. Like, you just had a concussion, like, you're trying to catch up on homework. But maybe there's an invitation here to share a little bit about what God has done, about what God is doing. And she started to kind of integrate that a little bit more into like, okay, maybe there is a story part to this healing. That like I put like this picture like this on Facebook for a reason. That I want people to know like what God has done. This is the work of testimony. Even just simple testimony, stories of God at work. What's your simple testimony? Think about it. Again, whether this is your first day here at ECV, it might just be, I came to church. I'm still thinking about what I'm feeling about it. That's okay. But others of us have different kinds of stories we might be able to tell. I was proud, and now I'm on a journey of humility. I was lost, and now I'm found. I I believed I was wrong. Like, not that I did wrong, but that I was wrong. And now I'm held by the one who's done no wrong, even as he loves me. I came to church today. I'm, I'm a little intrigued. What's your simple story? Can you say it in a sentence or two? For some of us that are, like to tell stories, we like to think a lot about our own lives, maybe that's a challenge. Like, just a sentence? My life is complicated. There's a lot going on. Like, really? How dare you? Give me a paragraph at least. Okay, you can get a paragraph. But maybe a sentence, though. Like, what's God done? How can you talk about it? Sometimes I find when I'm like, this is the story of what God did. And I'm thinking, do I even share that? I don't. I just wanted to kind of feel a little self-involved that day. I'm not about sharing. I just want to have this story. What story are you willing to tell? What story are you willing to claim is what God's done? It doesn't have to be blindness or healing it or anything that would appear dramatic or not a concussion either. But it does have to be good, something that's worth sharing to people who ask, maybe even badger you. To people around you, your neighbors, your friends, your classmates, your coworkers those you're trying to live an integrated life around. Maybe to Jesus, to telling Jesus directly in Thanksgiving, thank you, Lord, that I'm no longer who I was five years ago. Thank you, Lord, that you've added something to my life, a life that now is a life of rest when it was just a life of busyness. Can we tell those stories? These testimonies of God's work change us, and they can be contagious. I just want to share a few more stories, and then I'll end with one more scripture and a few invitations. I've just been thinking a lot uh, about this lately, about what it means to live your life openly and what God will do with that. I was inspired honestly by the series we were just in. When we say that we love God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, I think that does something to us. When we love God that much, it means that it spills out into our lives, that other people can see that and can know that. And I think if that doesn't happen, then we might need to check, do we actually love God? Because God's love is too much. It's overflowing. We can't just handle it ourselves. It gets better as we give it away. That's part of what Pope Francis was saying earlier. Uh, One of the ways that I experienced a call into ministry was being a counselor my senior year of college. I was something called an ethnic counselor. Don't worry, it was a really good thing and a really good program that Yale had. And I was a counselor to about 43 different black students. And I think by the end of it, the total was like 70-something because I adopted some people. It was great. I loved it. It was a really fun experience. And one of the things they said in their training was super helpful, super wise, was, hey, if there's something really serious in someone's life, something like uh, depression, uh, just these things that are so weighty, don't say that word before they say it. Like, Don't like see them sad. Don't like see them like, kind of like tired. Uh, not sleeping well and be like, hey, are you depressed? Like, wait until they say something about it. Then you can use their language. And I was like, well, unfortunately, like, faith wasn't part of that training. But I was like, that seems like a wise thing to do with faith as well. Like, I follow Jesus. I love God. But, like, I don't want to, like, put this on people. There's, like, definitely a power differential. I'm going to wait until they say something. Now, I was joking with Tina earlier. It's not like they would have to say, like, Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. I'm like, key unlocked. Like, now I'll talk about my faith. Like, no, like, not that. But something like faith. Prayer, God, like, paths of wisdom, like, asking good, good questions of life. Like, there's all these different things you could say. Like, that would be, like, okay, maybe I will, like, go down that path. But unless that's happened, then I won't. One of my uh, best friends, uh, he, oh, we, we really connected to, on issues of justice, on issues of culture. Um, and we were having great conversations. I knew a little bit about his faith background just by kind of biography. He happened to be in one of the uh, more Eastern, like, Orthodox traditions but it was kind of unclear what that meant to him. And I think he was still figuring out, it wasn't really a, a live kind of faith community at Yale. Um, so, you know, I let him tell me those things, but I never told him anything about really my faith that much. Um, and for some of you guys, this might connect or relate because you have different places in your world where there's a power differential ways you want to be careful. For some of you guys, uh, that's not something you really need to think about as much, just because you don't have those kinds of uh, lines of power that you need to be more sensitive to. Uh, but eventually, uh, I think it was a time in the spring semester he had just kind of cracked a little bit, and there was a way that his academics, the stress was just kind of all over him. And he said, hey, can you pray for me? And I was like, yes. And I like put down whatever it was at the d- device at the time, probably my Razor, Motorola Razor. I was like, T9, trying to do th- I was like, let me just go over there. And I just ran. And I said, can I pray for you right now? And we prayed together, and it was beautiful because I saw, like, the kind of year that God had built together, and we had just shared in goodness And it didn't have to be labeled like Christian goodness or Jesus goodness. It was just real friendship. But then there was this opportunity. He said, hey, can you pray? Where all of a sudden that friendship we had became a deeper spiritual friendship. And he began to talk more about uh, his faith. And how he was trying to kind of find a place to live out an expression of his faith. Even though the kind of Orthodox tradition that he was in, Eastern Orthodox, uh, wasn't really present. we started to talk about that more. he started talking about that with his friends. And then some of those friends decided, hey, I kind of have a faith journey. I've been on a journey too. And they started to ask about that. Two of those friends decided to, the next fall, share about their faith story. It was part of an uh, event that InterVarsity at Campus Fellowship did. So they said, we're gonna tell our faith story publicly. Almost like to value, like really truly, this a kind of like integrity bit. They're like, I don't feel like I'm living with integrity if I don't share this part of my life. So I'm gonna share it and invite all my friends know about me, the fact that I'm a Christian and the people who don't, that almost to tell them, hey, this is like who I am. So people came, I think it was more than 100 people. And that kind of started to roll as more people learned about their story of faith. Again, they're not sharing like the, the four spiritual laws, if that means anything to you. They're not sharing like uh, different ways of knowing Jesus or conceptions of like the gospel. They're just sharing their story. I didn't know where I fit. I was stressed with school. And now God helps me. Like I experience peace when I pray. I had a lot of questions about, uh, there's a lot of people that really cared about justice in the squad, but I I cared about justice, and I wondered, is it more, uh, is it a better use of my time to pursue justice in the different ways I can help the world, or do something like being in spiritual community, especially with all the hypocrisy that's there? Someone saying, I don't really know what community is, but as I've spent time with it, I like it a lot. And it continued. There's someone in this room, Michelle who decided to come to faith in college. Part of uh, this group kind of uh, people telling their faith story, all of a sudden people said, hey, I wanna think about if I have one. And then Michelle later on in a a performance poetry group she was in called Juke Songs, shared her story with another person who had had a similar experience of coming to faith. It was amazing to be in a space of performance where people were like, kind of, like, they're learning how to do, like, spoken word, like, reactions at the same time. Like, some people really do spoken word reactions, but they're like, oh, I can snap. Like, and everyone's just, like, snapping basically to, like, praise, to worship, to testimony. This is who God is to me. He's like a friend I can talk to. He's there, even when no one else is. People that didn't know anything about God, all of a sudden snapping to something that sounds good to them. This is what can happen when we become public about our story, when we become confessional, not about a creed necessarily, although that's definitely not a bad thing, but just what's happened in our lives. we just dare to say that this is true for us. And if you're a little bit uncomfortable, it can even simply be an invitation that we share with others and that we receive. One of the foundational texts of this community that Matt often brought to us early on in ECV was this one coming from John 1. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. I don't think that's a cop out. I don't think there was more he needed to say hey, come along, come on the journey, read this book with me, come to church, take a walk in Edgewood, it's the most beautiful park in New Haven, didn't you know? Just join for a little bit and see what you think. This is the journey we're going to be on just for three weeks, and I think it's a good time because we're about to enter the season of Lent, and Lent's a time where we're wondering and curious more about who God is to us, what God's doing, who Jesus is, what this thing called the cross and sacrifice means. And it's been beautiful season after season ECV to see for some people they're experiencing that journey for the first time. Hey, I'm not sure about church, but I can commit to like seven, eight weeks. I can just come, see what it's like. I can think about Jesus a little bit. Maybe he's a good teacher. Maybe he's a good person. Maybe he can share something with me. And then they experience what God has for them. And that looks different for different people. In the next two weeks, I'll kind of share some stories from people's lives about what that looked like for them. But I want you to become curious. As you're honest about your story, as you share God's goodness in kind of declarative form, as you share testimonies of what God's done in your own life, and as you just share and receive just simple invitations, I want you to become curious about what God might do through you, not through me as a pastor not like through ECV generally, but I want you to think about your own life, your own series of relationships, your own classroom, or your kid's classroom, or your neighborhood. And I want you to think about what might God be up to? What might God do? As so I simply share something. Because you have something that's worth sharing. Here are a few First is, what's a non-religious or rather ordinary way you experience the goodness of God? Sometimes we don't think about the way we experience God like this. But what's a way that if you had someone that didn't at all know Jesus, wouldn't call themselves Christian, maybe even didn't like that, what's something that you could join them in that's a way that you experience God that they might be open to? And that could be a walk in the park. That could be a good story, a board game. Guys, I'm honest here. These are the ways you might experience God. Is there a way that you could invite someone to that? And it's kind of up to you whether you would share more about why that's meaningful to you. But I do think things that change you often change other people. Things that are transformative for you often transform other people, or at least give you a great conversation. So can you identify one of those practices and maybe even a person to invite along? Second, what has God done for you that's worth sharing? And do you tell that story? In what context could you share in other ways? Like one of the things here, not making fun of anyone, not thinking of anyone, probably thinking of myself. Like sometimes you have like that church testimony, Like, Ooh, it's testimony night. I'm going to share my story. Like, yes, like I know the story I'm going to share. Do you share that anywhere else besides testimony night or with anyone else, right? If you don't, there's some invitations there for you. Like think about it. Is there anyone else you'd want to share with? But there's some kind of confidence you get in this church community. That's great. That's a good thing. But are other people hearing those stories? Maybe it's something that you share with your friends that don't know Jesus that's really profound about your life, but for whatever reason, there's something about it in the church that you're like, not so sure. That too is an invitation for integration. And the last one, where is there a place for you to invite someone to experience God's goodness? This is a little bit more direct. You're walking with people, you know people, and you say, hey, I actually do have uh, an invitation for you to experience God's goodness. Maybe it's love. Maybe it's healing. Where could you become curious about a person like that in your life? Where could you invite someone to experience God's goodness? And again, it could be as simple as, hey, come along to church. Come along to this thing that's transformed me. Listen to this song. I have some really weird and embarrassing stories where I've kind of shared my faith even more intentionally. And people are like, nah. And then I'm like, Hey, listen to this song. Or usually more like, hey, have you heard this song? Sometimes like the most Christian song there is. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I've heard it. They're like, this is so powerful. I'm like, what in the world? But they're just like, there's something about experiences, right? And sometimes we think we have a way or know something. No. Think about what the person in your life, people in your life might be open to. Ask God. Hey, God, I have this friend. And I am curious about maybe having something worth sharing. What is it? What of my life could I share? What could be meaningful to them? I think God speaks, and God would speak to you about that. Then invite the worship team to come up. Like I said, musical worship is a way that we can declare God's goodness. And we'll be doing that in this space. There will be words on the screen that might reflect exactly how you feel about God. Or maybe they're the farthest thing from it. But by hearing those words in the round, in the chorus, you'll get some confidence to say, God, I want that to be true. We're going to enter into a time of musical worship. We'll have a time of prayer later where we can have people pray for us, people who are trained in prayer ministry. Maybe you don't have something like blindness, but you know you're carrying something. You're like, I'd love someone to speak to that, to minister to that. And you all have an opportunity to do that. Next, we're going to go into a time of communion where we celebrate and mark the way that Jesus shared his body that was broken on the cross. We, We look at the elements, the bread, which is the body of Christ, and the cup, which is the blood of Jesus, and we realize that this meal that we share comes from a man who shared his whole life for us. His whole life. For us, even though he died by our hands, he decided to still share life, even with his very last breath. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. As we come to the table, let's be reminded of the generosity of God, the graciousness of God, the way that God is giving so much of who he is, and think about how we're sharing that. But to share it, really, we something we take in. So let's come to the table today with that attitude and prayer. God, would you fill me so I can give out of